Welcome to Geek Vibes Live. That's a great start to the show. <laughs> what, what happened to, what happened uh, to the anyways, game? So, how are you guys doing out there? It's another <laughs> wonderful episode of Geek Vibes Live, where we talk about the best in geek culture and everything that inhabits it. Let's want to actually introduce my, my real friends and co-hosts. First, we got Nick. Nick, how are you doing, man? Pretty good, man. Just uh, we got a lot of awesome top topics to talk about tonight, so I'm super excited. I feel you on that, and uh, of course, Kanan, the silent assassin. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Like uh, Nick said, we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, and we weren't on last week, so we actually will be covering some uh, some from some news from last week as well. We're gonna do everything. We might we might do news that was five years old just for the heck of it. We, you never know. <laughs> we're taking. I don't know why. Like it's gonna be Batman. Years. What? Yeah, we're taking, this is outrageous. Yeah, we're taking I'm so mad right now. Five years ago. It's absolutely. I'm still tripping on our intro. <laughs> uh, so let's get our, right into the news instead of. Our intro was great, okay? I don't know what you're talking about, but let's, let's actually get into some information and some news, okay, Kanan? Anyways, God. Okay. Uh, we, have, we have word uh, from Deadline that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is in talks to play the villainous role of Mysterio in Sony's sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, talks are underway right now for Gyllenhaal to join the long line of Spidey villains uh, that we inevitably think will become the Sinister Six uh, so far, we've been exposed to, obviously, Vulture with Michael Scorpio. Not Scorpio, Scorpion. Uh, he's not an astrological son, I promise you. Um, <laughs> and uh, Shocker is also a villain that's been established. So Mysterio being possibly the main villain or one of the villains um, behind that movie, you know, could potentially set up some more characters. And, um, of course, um, I think Michael Keaton has been confirmed to be back in the movie. Um, really exciting. Uh we don't know exactly what's going to happen as far as Infinity War um, affecting this, um, but uh, just just cool news that Jake Gyllenhaal, a, a person I've been campaigning for a villain, uh, like the Riddler, I've said that he could do, and certain other roles, uh, beca- mainly because of his role in Nightcrawler. I think Mysterio is actually a really cool idea uh, for him to do. Uh, Nick, uh, you know, it's not 100% official. You know, in talks means that this could end up not working out, say, tomorrow. Uh, but mm-hmm. the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal most likely will be playing the role of Mysterio in Homecoming 2 or, or Sadie Hawkins' Dance or whatever the fuck they call it, um, how do you <laughs> feel about that news? Uh, well, first things first, I want to say uh, good on Homecoming and the MCU and Sony working together to introduce three Spider-Man villains without it feeling cluttered. Um, because yeah. it's it's funny when you break it down. Like I remembered Scorpion, and then when you were like Shocker, I was like, oh yeah, like 
Shocker was in it. Like, I, I didn't, like, I, I had kind of completely forgotten about that. But that's because, you know, they had these two villains, these two kind of side villains who just weren't, you know, quintessential to the story, but they introduced them in a very genuine and um, great way that added to the story, uh, but didn't take away from it. So good on Sony for finally getting that right after so many failed attempts for the pretty much the past three Spider-Man movies, maybe discounting the first Amazing Spider-Man if if you want to. Um, but anyway, um, as far as Jake Gyllenhaal, I love the idea. I'm 100% with you on that, Dane. I, I mean, after seeing Nightcrawler, God, he is so, like, just mentally unstable in that movie, and he's such a sociopath. I mean, you can tell through his actions that he's playing a sociopath because he really doesn't care about people, like, in that movie. He, 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 his, his goal is to get whatever shot he needs to get in order to, you know, further progress his career. I, I think, and this is a possible spoiler, it's not really a huge plot point spoiler, but, like, when he's at the scene of that crime and he's looking around, um, or the scene of the accident or whatever, and he's looking around and like he doesn't see any, you know, anybody around, and he like drags the body to get it in the perfect lighting to get the better shot, you know, um, like that's just crazy. Like I was just like, oh my Absolutely. god, what is this guy doing? And 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 when it kind of circles around and comes to fruition, you see what he's doing. You're like, golly, man, this guy is nuts, and. For him to, you know, play a character like Mysterio, who essentially is almost kind of the opposite, if you will, of of his character there as far as succeeding. Like, you know, his character in Nightcrawler was a nobody who elevated himself up to being somebody. And this character is, you know, kind of a somebody uh, in, in, was it Quentin Beck, right? Um, Who, you know... Yeah, has this has this um, you know uh, I won't say like fame, but you know he's he's you know a successful uh, like uh, engineer and all this stuff, and he, and he does all the, all these different things, and you know he kind of falls off the map, uh, you know because of Spider Man who, who kind of catches him, um, you know being a thief and robbing all these banks and everything, and there's even of course the uh, famous comic storyline where. You know, he frames Spider-Man. So a lot to pull from there. A really interesting character, a character that I've wanted to see for a long time. Both he and Kraven the Hunter were my, like, top two choices for um, the the villain in in the second MCU Spider-Man movie. So the fact that we're getting one of those is super thrilling, and the fact that Gyllenhaal is at least in talks as of now um, is is super, super cool news, and I I hope that um, both he and Sony... Um, you know, work out all the kinks and, and are able to uh, come to an agreement because that would be amazing casting. Yeah, and I agree. And, and the weird thing is, um, Kanan, you know, that with this whole entire thing, uh, he was apparently in talks from what we, we knew for Batman. And if, uh, obviously that's not going to happen if he's playing Mysterio in this. Uh, but regardless, does that mean – that we're going to get more actors of the Sinister Six being Batman characters. I mean, could we possibly see Josh Brolin saying "fuck it" and doing a third character like Craven the Hunter? You know, maybe we should just keep on going with more Batman. That's how Spider-Man will lose. That's the only fucking way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyways, actually, mm-hmm. I'm just joking. Uh, Kaden, how do you feel about this news? Are you excited about 
Jake Gyllenhaal, or were you hoping actually he might be playing uh, Batman? Uh, no, I don't think I ever really bought into the idea of him being Batman. Um, Me either. I, mean, I, I feel I, I feel like that's just you know it was cool to kind of speculate and talk about, but I don't think uh, he was ever really in the running for it. And you know he even came out and and said probably about a couple I think it was a couple months ago you know when he was asked about Batman you know he kind of brushed it off like no you know you know he kind of made it seem like there were there were not any talks at all. Um, I know that there's other people out there that say that's not true, um, you know. But I feel like if there were talks, you know, and it's either there were and he didn't want to play Batman, or there was never talks to begin with. But I mean, either way, um, he's going to be in a, in a comic book film. I've always wanted to see uh, Mysterio on the big screen. I am shocked though that we're not getting Craven. Uh, I know so many. Uh, kind of rumors and reports out there pointed towards uh, Craven possibly being the, uh, you know, the villain in this next movie. Um, there's still a chance, I guess, that maybe somebody else could be cast, and we maybe see a glimpse of uh, Craven in this film. You know, maybe he's the one that's, you know, kind of masterminding the whole, um, you know, get together of the group. Uh, but yeah, they, it does seem like they're definitely going in a Sinister Six route. Um, you know, we've got Vulture and Shocker and we'll have Mysterio. You know, maybe uh, the man behind the scenes is somebody that will be uh, Dr. Octopus. You know, maybe they're going to cast somebody, you know, for Norman Osborn. I mean, there's, you know, a whole different um, route to go from here. Um, I think I'm, I'm interested to see, um, you know, how Jalen Hall will play um, a villain. I mean, he did kind of play a sleazy kind of villain-type role, as y'all stated in uh, Nightcrawler. Um, I just don't know if this is something that they're going to, you know, are they going to go like full on mask? Uh, from what I've heard, he would probably have the Mysterio Unlimited look where it was kind of, it wasn't the big kind of glass dome. It was kind of more like the Cobra Commander um, sleek helmet type look. Um, so that'll be interesting, you know, you know as well. Because, I mean, Jalen Hall is a well-known actor. I mean, I don't know that they'd want to hide his face um, you know, the entire time. So it'll be interesting to see where they go, you know, with that route. But I think it's I think it's really good casting. Um, you know, Marvel's uh still showing that they're able to bring in some big name actors and, you know, keep carrying on. So yeah, um you know, really interested to see. Like I said, I just I, I thought we'd they go with Craven, so but it's gonna be cool to see, you know, Mysterio on the big screen for the first time. Yeah, and hopefully he goes Carl Urban and just is like, I'll wear the mask. I don't care. Like, that would be awesome. Yeah, and I think what, this might be pretty cool if they, um, you know, because, you know, Tony Stark was heavily, um, you know, well, not heavily influenced, but he was uh, heavily involved in Homecoming. So this would be kind of cool if uh, Doctor Strange were involved. Um, because, you know, Mysterio yeah. and, you know, you got uh, Dr. Strange kind of coming in, you know, master of the mystic arts, um, you know, kind of have him since, you know, him and Peter kind of had that little, um, you know, kind of like funny little gag or whatever right there in Infinity War. Um, be kind of cool to see them kind of uh, get back together because maybe, you know, because, you know, they're in New York. That's where the um, – uh, Doctor Strange is that as well, so you know maybe they mm-hmm. Mysterio kind of cross paths. You know, it'd be pretty cool to kind of have uh, Doctor Strange just kind of do you know one or two scenes with them. 
Yeah, especially if Tony dies. Like, if Tony dies in Avengers 4, um, that could definitely be something to bring those two characters together. Yeah. One thing that I was hoping is that that they keep the Tinkerer in this, and maybe what they do is Mm. something similar to Iron Man in the sense of uh, Mysterio creates his own costume with his own technical skills at first, and it's like a Mach 1, if you will. And maybe it looks more like the classic look, a little bit ridiculous, and maybe... The first interaction with Spider-Man, he calls him Chrome Dome or uh, what's another thing he used to call him, uh, Fishbowl Head, you know, and that's where that comes through. And then later he meets a tinkerer and they actually make him a much more beefed up, you know, practical, uh, sleeker looking costume. that's kind of similar, like but it. more, not, not, as, not, as, not as silly, uh, but I want to ask you guys, let's, let, let's, uh, specu- let's, let's, let's speculate a little bit. Um, I think the last two to the puzzle, if the Sinister Six is building, is going to be Dr. Octopus and, uh, and Craven. I think they're going to use Norman Osborn to turn to the Goblin, maybe towards the end, to be the next big threat after the Sinister Six. So we'll get Oz, uh, Normie uh, and Harry and stuff like that, maybe while he's in college or at senior year or something, uh, you know, some type of presence of them, but... Right now, I think Doc Ock and Craven will be the villains, I'm assuming at least, uh, that will be introduced. Uh, who would you like to see? Let's play that game. Uh, who would you like to see play these two characters? Um, yeah, I'm not going to pick Batman actors. That was actually a joke. Um, but I really, I, I'm kind of not obsessed with the Rain Wilson idea, I think, is brilliant casting. And it's funny yeah. because my other choice would probably be Jack Black, which is another comedic-based character for Doc Ock. But someone that has a similar look and concept to that uh, I think would be really good for Craven, though. Um, I'm more inclined to pick someone like Luke Evans. Uh, you know, maybe even Jeffrey Dean Morgan if they don't have anything to do with him as far as, like, you know, the DC Universe with uh, uh, older Batman, Dad Batman, whatever the fuck you want to call him. But... Um, Nick, who would you like to see play these roles, and how would you like to see them established in, like, the next film or so with the Spider-Man film? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I've i always kind of leaned a little bit towards Gerard Butler for Craven. Um, I think Luke great Evans choice. would also be great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Gerard Butler's kind of always been my go-to for that. I mean, he's got the – he's definitely got the right look. Um, I, I think – um, you know, he's, he's played with different accents. Um, he's kind of, his, his little Scottish, uh, I think it's Scottish, um, accent always kind of bleeds through and no, no matter which character he plays. Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't think that's terrible, <laughs> excuse me, terribly important. Um, but you know, I think he's got, he's got the looks and he's, he's got the, the acting chops to be able to pull it off. I think he'd be really good. Um, I also think, uh, if they wanted to go with like, you know, like a really, really uh, big name, you know, for, you know, if, if it was going to be maybe just for two movies, maybe like a George Clooney, like bring bring the Batman into it. Um, just, just, a, just a suggestion. <laughs> hey, that would be a great choice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he would do really well with it. And, and I mean, we all know Clooney has a very um, uh, captivating presence. So, I, I mean, I think, uh, I don't... Like, I don't necessarily think he would do it, but, I mean, you never know. I mean, these, these scripts are so well-written, and we're seeing more and more, like, prestigious actors. Like, if you had said 10 years ago, or even five, like, Kate Blanchett's going to be in the third Thor movie, everybody would have been like, no, you're, you're no way. Like, it's not going to happen. Um, but obviously she was, and she did a great job. Uh, of course she did. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, I mean, so I, I think those two. I really like Rain Wilson uh, for Doc Ock. Um, if if those of you out there who have seen Super, um, he can definitely play a different character than Dwight Schrute uh, from The Office. Uh, he's he's definitely got that range, um, and I, I think he could definitely pull off Doc Ock. I, I've also always kind of liked Patton Oswalt. Um, like I I think he yep. would be. Um, uh, you know, a good choice. I think he could he could bring something interesting to the table. Um, and there's there's one other person um, that I liked, but it's escaping me at the moment. Um, I might think about it uh, when you get done with Kanan. I'll let you know. Yeah, before I pass to Kanan, I'm, I'm looking online right now to like check out some other people's ideas. There's a lot of great ones um, as far as Doc Ock. What? Oh man. Um, I could not remember this actor's name. Oh, uh, Conleth Hill. He plays on Game of Thrones. He's uh, I can't remember the character's name, but the 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 evil character that got his uh, no, not evil, but like the mis- oh, what is that dude's name? Um, he got his thing called oh, the right character. He, or Varys. What's that? Are you talking yeah, about uh, Varys? Oh, actor, I think his name is Varys. Yeah, Var- Varys. Varys was the ball, uh, one yeah. of the one of the choices. Um, yeah, let's try to think of, of another. Uh, Zachary Quinto for more sleeker, I guess, version of Doc Ock. Yeah, much better choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I like Zachary uh, Quinto a lot. Alec Baldwin is an interesting, interesting. choice. Interesting. Christopher Waltz is a very interesting choice. Um, yeah, Christopher. Yeah, I, I love all these. And Manu Bennett was another one that I saw someone say for uh, for Craven, which would be an also an awesome yeah. choice. Hey, Dana, uh, now uh, your choice or your your turn. What would be your choices? Uh, I don't know who I really would want for uh, Doctor Octopus. I think for Craven, though, I only have one person in mind. I know he's I know he's going to be in Wonder Woman. I don't know how extensive his run will be in Wonder Woman, but I think Pedro Pascal would be a perfect choice for Craven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he just Absolutely. has that look. Um, I think he could pull it off uh, pretty well. Um, you know, I've seen some people say Rain Wilson. I think Rain would probably do a really good job. Um, you know, he, you know, I know a lot of people when it comes to Dr. Octopus, they probably want to, you know, kind of stereotype him as kind of maybe a, uh, maybe a short or a stock guy, Goodman. you know, it's kind of like the, you know, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, John Goodman, is, no, I don't know about him. Oh. I think Rain would uh, probably be pretty good. Mark, Mark Hamill, that was, I don't know how I blanked on that. Yeah. I, oh, I said, yeah. When, he, was, when you said short and stocky, I was like. Yeah, that's that's that was somebody yeah, had brought that up not too long ago, and I know I think it was when he was talking uh, like through Twitter with James Gunn, like somebody you know said, "Oh, it'd be all fine and good to see you know Mark Hamill being a Guardians movie, but how about him as Doc Ock?" And I was like, "Yeah, I can definitely see that. That would be awesome." Oliver Oliver Platt's another one. I, there's a lot of great choices. I think Oliver Platt is dead. Um, oh, he is. Well, if that's true, then uh, that might be, actually that I might know. be. I might be thinking of Rip Torn. I know Rip Torn is dead. I might be confusing the two because they were both in that wrestling movie. Um, so I might be. Oh, Ready to Rumble. Too. Yeah, that's a great movie. Uh, yeah, it's classic. Um, but uh, yeah, Norman Osborn's another one. I think I'm going to still pick Christian Bale uh, because my original choice is Kevin Spacey, and I don't want that to happen anymore. So obviously, I was a big fan of your choice, Nick, with Christian Bale. I thought that was. I know that's another Batman, but. It's a very inspired choice. I still like Matthew McConaughey, though. I think that's a good yeah. one as well. There's just 
We're going to see I some think, cool characters introduced in Spider-Man. What were you going to say, Kanan? I was going to say, if I had a fan cast Norman Osborn, I would like uh, Oscar Isaacs. Oh, yeah, played, I can uh, see that. Yeah. He's a little think, young, I think, but I could, I could see it working in the sense of, like, especially, like, here's the thing. It, to me, it, it really, I really, if there's one reason I want to see Tony Stark live, it's to be that competitor with Norman Osborn. And if, if you had that juxtaposed with Oscar Isaac, like, he could he he's that young up and comer that that Silicon Valley guy who moves to New York and is you know kind of this threat um, to to Tony. So I I could definitely see that. I like that. It's an interesting choice for sure. Well, uh, let's move on to another topic, guys, since we've been rambling on this one for a little while. But it's a fun topic. So what do you expect? Um, I think it's a, the probably the second biggest piece of news this week. Um, kind of crazy. I'll admit right now, I have not watched the show this season and uh, half of last season. I got out of it. Um, and it, it just seems that they probably should have taken choices similar to the comics from what I've heard for complaints and not try to go off uh, on their own. Because now, Andrew Lincoln is to exit AMC's The Walking Dead in Season 9. Uh, they're also losing Maggie. Um, Lorna Cohan is uh, joining some other show, and she's trying to get more acting gigs. I understand that they're in Atlanta for a very, like, a long period of time filming this in the heat every year, and it's hard to step away from the paycheck, but Andrew Lincoln, I think, has, you know, become a good actor uh, throughout this whole entire thing, and it, it seems they probably should go out and try to invest that somewhere else since he's only, you know, mainly known for Walking Dead and uh, that British uh, uh, romance movie that, that's, yes, Love Actually with the little cue cards and shit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it's, uh, you know, the, the show that he was the foundation and spoiler warning, um, you know, the fact that Carl is still alive in the comic books, uh, you know, with Rick on the show, apparently with him and Maggie both leaving, I don't know if they're going to leave together or if they're going to die at some point in the season. I'm not going to probably find out because I don't tune in. Like I said, I kind of got, uh, bored with the show. And, um, they're apparent paying apparently Daryl uh, a lot of money, Norman Reedus, to stay on uh, for more seasons. And what sucks about this is they could have tried to wrap this up and actually made this uh, a little bit tighter. And it seems like mm. it's going to go off the rails, like a lot of shows end up doing that have a lot of potential to be a great series from start to finish. But like Lost did, uh, like Dexter, in my opinion, did, like Weeds did. A lot of shows mm-hmm. just. You know, they could have they could have really gone out on a bang like a Breaking Bad situation, or what I think Game of Thrones potentially could do. But instead, they get they keep on going, and then they lose huge stars. This is the biggest, probably I would say. Um, this is like Matthew Fox leaving leaving uh, Lost. Um, you know, a couple seasons before they really want to end it, but uh, they're they're going to keep on making the episodes. Um, Ken, how do you feel about this? Do you still watch Walking Dead? And if you do, is just going to take your experience, uh, you know, and not make it enjoyable anymore without Andrew Lincoln. Oh man. Um, I don't dude, when I, when I read that, it was, I, I was really hoping it wasn't, uh, true. Um, and I, the, uh, the guy I follow on uh, Twitter, he works for comicbook.com. He's a huge walking dead fan. I immediately went to his Twitter page, uh, just to see if he was responding. And he, of course he said, I was sitting on this. I didn't want to say anything because I wanted 
to wait and, you know, find out uh, more information or kind of let AMC, you know, Collider just ran with it, kind of threw it out there. Um, and, you know, that pretty much confirmed it, you know, because, you know, he's got a great relationship with the show and the people. And I was just like, dude, this is, you know, legit. Um, I know the, I know the, the ratings for this season went down, but it's still one of the most you know popular shows on television. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know if the show can survive without uh, Andrew Lincoln. I, I think, um, you know, I know that the death of Carl um, was a huge kick in the nuts to a lot of people. A lot of people felt like it was just for shock value. Um, and I get that. You know, there's a there's a lot of people that, that die on shows, you know, for that shock value. Game of Thrones has done that where people are alive in the book still, but die on the show. But it works because, for the most part, their core uh, characters, um, you know, are intact. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know that the show can survive. And, and it's funny because I've actually gone back and I'm, like, binge-watching The Walking Dead, you know, seasons. And in season four, um, Maggie's sister Beth tells Daryl that he'll – be the last man standing, you know, she says, you'll be the last man standing, uh, after this is all said and done, you'll be the only one here, and then I got to thinking, oh my God, you know, this, it's come full circle, like, because Andrew's leaving, like, Daryl really is going to be the last one, I think, with Maggie leaving, I think Daryl will be the only main cast member to still be on the show, uh, because Michonne didn't come in until, um, season three um so and you know and there's talks that she her contract's up so she could be leaving as well uh so i, I don't know i mean this could just be like a huge reboot and they're going to do a spinoff with daryl um i know he's got fans and i normally this is a huge draw um you know maybe jeffrey dean morgan sticks around as negan uh, maybe then expand on his role a little bit um but now this show's gonna it's going to really hurt because, like you said, Lauren Cohen's only going to be for a few episodes and then she's leaving. Uh, from what the report says, Andrew Lincoln's not going to finish season nine out, so he'll actually leave before um, the this, this season's up. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I don't know where they're going to go from here, but apparently AMC's going to keep rolling with it. But uh, it's a huge loss for sure. Absolutely. If you're a fan of the show, if you're a fan of Walking Dead, I mean, Andrew Lincoln, um, or the, just Rick Grimes in general, is the superhero, if you will, for that show. But um, I'm, I feel bad for fans of the show uh, that are, that, you know, especially the diehard fans. Um, I'm with you guys. But also for Andrew Lincoln, I think, Nick, this is kind of positive for him because I think that he has turned himself into a good actor with the show. I think that this opens the door for the possibilities. Um, I think that he's known in the geek space, and I don't know if possibly leading a film or anything like that, but it could be a part of some type of ensemble uh, for a future Star Wars uh, movie or a future Marvel film or a DC film or maybe another sci-fi-related series or something else, uh, maybe his own Netflix show where he's named a star in, uh, to some extent uh, playing another character. Um, do you think this was, you know, not smart of him to leave probably a paycheck so big because he has to be up there as the highest paid actor on the show. Um, I would say either him or Daryl uh, at least, 
Or do you think it's smart for him realizing, you know, I'm in my early 40s. If I'm going to do anything acting-wise, I should probably get out of the show and go do it. I think it was smart of him because he sees the writing on the wall. Um, Because I, like you, agree that this show probably should have run for about seven seasons and then been done. Um, They have stretched things out way longer than they should have. it kind of, I mean, it really came to a head this last season, but they had been doing it for the last few seasons. And it, the, the show is just utterly predictable. I mean, it's it, like you know exactly how every season is going to play out, basically. There will be some shocking turn of event at the mid-season finale. Maybe someone will die. Um, and then there will be some shocking turn of event at the season finale and maybe someone will die um like that's pretty much how it goes no main characters ever bite the dust on anything other than uh, a mid-season or a season finale um I, I i not that i can remember anyway um and that's why the ratings are always so much higher for the mid-season and season finales um than the rest of it because people tune in to see what's going to happen to the to the main characters you know like they don't keep you guessing, and that's one of the things that I think has kind of been their downfall is they play things too by the book, and I think Andrew Lincoln is making the right decision and saying, people, are, I can see where this trend is going. People are kind of getting tired of it. The ratings are going down. Uh, and I know Kanan said it's still one of the highest-rated uh, cable shows on television, and that is true. Um, but nevertheless, like, it doesn't take much to see that trend head south. And I am somebody who has watched every single episode of The Walking Dead. And at the end of season eight, I said, that's it. I'm done. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good enough closing for me. Um, I, I asked myself several times during season eight, like, why am I still watching this? And I, I thought, the I, I won't spoil anything, but I thought the way – season eight ended was good for me and the little cliffhanger that they threw in there I was like really that's where you're going with it now nope I'm done I was already done now I'm extra done like I'm not I'm not doing this to myself anymore I'm just like I'm literally like almost bored as I watch this um and you know what furthermore I honestly I kind of think on some level, I agree with Kanan that I don't think this show can exist anymore without Rick Grimes. Um, but I don't think that was always the case. And in fact, I got super tired of Rick's character arcs um, throughout, you know, the seasons. Because after his wife dies, it's like there was this pattern of like, um, essentially, you get Crazy Rick, then you get Leader Rick, then you get Crazy Rick, then you get Leader Rick. And it, it just got so tiresome for me. I was like, just kill him already. Um, and in this past season, like, there was a moment where, like, Negan might die. And it was, like, up in the air how, what would happen with the saviors. And I was like, yes, kill him. Make things interesting. Like, no one expects it. Fucking kill him. And now the saviors are, you know, free to run amok and fuck shit up as they please because at least Negan brings some sort of law and order um, to this group, and if you if you kill him off, they're now anarchists, and they're even more dangerous than they were before. Um, and of course, they didn't do that. Um, and even though I like I enjoy so, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's scenes more than anybody else on the sh- on the show as of the past you know 
season plus. Um, like I just thought it would have made so much sense for his arc to have ended already. Um, and that goes back to what you were saying, Dane. Like they just stretch things out way too much. If they had made this five to seven seasons and essentially you don't have to go bit for bit by the comics, but kind of more follow the comics. Um, I think it would have made a lot more sense. And one more thing before I throw it back to you. Um, I also think, and I, yeah, I'd actually kind of like to throw this to Kanan to get his thoughts. I also think Kanan that, um, it would be a lot more easy. It would be a lot easier pill to swallow of um, seeing Rick die if they hadn't already killed off Carl. Like if Carl could become the leader, or at least maybe not the leader, maybe Daryl's the leader, but carry on that that Rick Grimes integrity. Um, that that to me is is what they put themselves in a position where they can't lose Rick, and that is a big part of it. Uh, do you agree with me on that? that it would be easier to lose Rick if you still had Carl? Uh, yeah, because Carl had a huge arc and has a huge arc in the comics with Negan, uh, right. which we're not going to really get to see. So um, I think I think if they had killed Rick off and stuff, Carl, I think people still probably would have been pissed. Uh, but I think now I don't think – you know, I don't even think Andrew Levin will, will be, you know, that huge. I, it depends on – how they do it, you know, how they have him walk off the show. Um, you know, he really honestly has nothing left to live. Well, he still has Judith. Um, but, you know, he's kind of a, he's kind of a broken man. And honestly, I feel like this is just something that, that Andrew is doing because he's tired. And I guess he just feels like he needs to leave, but I do feel like there's a lot more story to tell um, with Rick and Negan because in the comics, you know, they have a relationship after Negan's captured I don't know how far we're going to get into that. So we're going to lose a lot of cool stuff um, that we could have seen in the comics, and I don't think we're going to get that with Daryl. Um, I think Daryl's got just a certain um, attitude uh, about him that people like, you know, and people just love Norman Reedus, but I don't know if he can carry the show. I do agree with you 100%. I also feel like maybe that uh, Andrew Lincoln just, you know, maybe he's not happy with the way his character is written uh, now uh, because they flip-flopped this season. Uh, you know, one minute you're cheering for him, the one the next minute you're like, Man, Rick, you're kind of an asshole, you know, maybe Negan's right. You know, Negan yeah. from the get go should have been a total asshole. Like everybody should have hated Negan. But there's parts in uh you know, there's parts in the season where you're kinda of like pulling for Negan and you pull for Rick and you know, Rick's like almost the the bad guy and I mean I know he's done stuff to survive. Um, but you know, maybe he's just tired of that. Maybe he's he's just you know, at the point where he's like, Hey, you know, well, you, you killed off Chandler. We're pissed about that. You know, this is happening. I'm I'm just, you know, we're kind of done. I'm just ready to go home, spend time with my family, and, and see where it goes. But, sure. You know. Well, it's, it's funny, a huge loss, man, Negan sure. himself, That character is the reason why I was more invested with the show. And honestly, they didn't display him as such an evil person. It seemed like he was justified in some of the actions they did, even killing Glenn yep. and Abraham. Uh, you know, they went in and, you know, killed half his men in a compound in their sleep. So, I mean, you know, it was more of like a tit-for-tat type of thing. He was very organized, so they didn't really display him as the sociopath type of uh, character that I think he was in the comic books. But either way, with Andrew Lincoln, um, before we exit this thing, kind of like just to wrap it up, uh, you're Andrew Lincoln. You get some offers either with original uh, concepts 
uh, for television shows or movies, or uh, you get something that's more like comic book driven, something that's already been known or, or a property that's already there. Uh, n- knowing that Rick Grimes was such a you know multi-dimensional character that, like you both have said, he had properties of being heroic, and then kind of would go in you know kind of on on the uh, insane um, rampages, you know, by biting people's throats and, you know, just go on ape shit. Would you rather see him perform in a television show or movie as a villain or as a hero? Nick? You know what? Uh, It's funny that you say that because I was kind of thinking before I went on my little spiel, um, you know, in my, my prep leading up to my spiel, um, that I would like to see him as a villain. Um, I could even see him being Craven. Um, you know what we brought up earlier. Um, he wouldn't be my first choice, yeah. but I could see it. Um, and no, I would totally like to see him as a villain. Um, I think he's established himself as a good enough actor, and it would be a nice change of pace to see him as that, you know, kind of um, menacing villain, but maybe, um, you know, with some motivations that, that the audience can understand. Um, I, I think that would be great. I, I think I would much prefer to see him as a villain. Oh, I love that concept with me. Villain wise. I, I love the idea of Craven, but Sinestro, he's been one of my top choices Ooh. to play the head of the yellow lanterns. Definitely bring his yeah. British accent into it. Probably that you would do a Craven as well. His natural British accent, but, um, mm-hmm. He's a character, you know, he might be a little bit too old, but he's someone I could have even said, uh, you know, Wolverine, maybe. I think he's about 5'9", five, 5'8", sure. five, uh, you yeah. know, buff enough, known from the people, so they'll kind of latch onto him and accept him. But he's a little bit too old um, for where I think they're going to be going with it, you know, for the relationship with him and Gene, possibly. Um, yeah. But, yeah, even even as if they establish Batman in this Titan show, uh, Andrew Lincoln, someone I could definitely see playing Batman in that type of capacity as well. So he's got a lot of stuff going for him. But regardless, I would like to see him play a villain first, even on an original project. Uh, Kane, how do you feel? Um, well, I mean, I, I guess it depends on you know what he would get into. I, I think he's he's devoted so much of his time uh, with The Walking Dead. I don't know that he would jump into anything. You know, they would see him be a hero where he would have to do multiple projects. I think that he, I feel like he yeah. would probably just take it one movie at a time. Now he he is British, um, so I know people probably he find is. that hard to believe, but he is British uh, and he does clean up very nicely. Um, I think he would be a really good Bond villain. Um, mm. I think, uh, I, and and he could be one off, so he doesn't have to be a lingering Bond villain. He could. Um, I don't know where they're going to go after uh, Bond 25, but I could see, you know, maybe if, uh, you know, after Craig's done, you know, they move on to someone else, maybe Henry Cavill with Bond or whoever they get. You know, he could be a pretty good Bond villain or, or, you know, he could just be uh, in some type of action flick. I I don't think that we've seen the last of Andrew Lincoln, um, but as far as being a hero, I feel like that would probably, you know, kind of corner him into doing multiple type roles. And I just don't know that I could see him, you know, kind of doing that. I think, you know, he's he's been on a stretch, like you said. He's been in Atlanta. And if you watch those shows, the sweat on their bodies and the dirt is probably real. And I couldn't imagine doing that for um, – I think they said they shoot from the middle of May until the week before Thanksgiving um, for, you know, so, you know, for nine years he's been doing this. 
Um, so I just I just don't know that he would get anything, you know get committed to doing something like Robert Downey Jr. where he's been a hero for the last ten years. Yeah, I like the Bond thing. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I would be really. He could even be like. There's actors I would like to see way over him, but he could even be like a Pierce Bronson style James Bond. Uh, I definitely sure. like that concept just just by itself. Uh, but yeah. He's definitely, I understand what you're saying. It had to be a lighter schedule. You know, when you play a superhero, you can get superhero fatigue. And it seems like the actor in this next story did have it after a while. Uh, Jamie Foxx, who played Electro, uh, is set to play Spawn. Um, and creator Todd McFarlane, his Blumhouse product, project, the adaptation of Spawn, that he will be directing and writing. Uh, apparently, Jamie Foxx was trying to play Spawn uh, beforehand. And uh, it just didn't work out. Uh, Tom McFarlane's talk, been talking about making his own movie for the last uh, 74 years of our lives. And uh, <laughs> finally, shit's happening. And I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm very excited about the horror element, trying to make the character somewhat of a Jaws-like entity is what he kind of referred to it as, where you don't see him as much until he's there. And when he's there, the presence mm. is going to obviously be there. But now... Getting someone like Jamie Foxx, I think there is going to be a lot more uh, involvement uh, with the character being, you know, he still might be in the shadows, kind of like a Batman-type concept, uh, hunting these criminals, uh, but there'll still be principles of him talking, having dialogue, because I don't think you'd get Jamie Foxx on board if you wanted him not to be, uh, you know, the character itself is fun. So this is, this is very cool. Uh, it's apparently not going to be an origin story. So they're just going to go for it. And um, I love Blumhouse. I, I think that they're able to take, you know, for horror movies at least, uh, they're able to take these, um, you know, uh, small-budgeted uh, movies and make them very successful. The only apprehension I have is Todd McFarlane directing it. But if he has a good DP and, you know, someone that can help him with cinematography along the way, you know, I think that it could work out very well. And, uh, you know, they're they're planning on making it for a small amount of money. He was saying something ridiculous at first. It's definitely not going to happen, now, especially with Jamie Foxx involved. But from what I've heard, rumors, the story itself, Spawn taking out bad guys, and then Sam and Twitch, the two police officers, are trying to figure out what exactly is taking out the bad guys. So that will be a very cool concept, horror-driven. Um, how do you like all this, uh, all this news? Uh, Kaden, are you excited about it? Uh, Jamie Foxx, does he appeal to you for playing Spawn? Or do you want to see Michael J. White come back? <laughs> uh, I, I really like Michael J. White. I thought he did. Uh, I thought he did a good job for being a you know pretty much a newcomer uh, on the scene when he played Spawn. I feel like Spawn was, um, you know, just really dark, um, you know. But it, it was like you know the Spawn you know comic. Um, I, and like you said, I really love Blumhouse, and I think that they're going to give and you know McFarlane free reign to do whatever he wants to. Um, I think that this movie will probably come in uh, pretty low budget. I'd say probably maybe anywhere from ten to fifteen million. I fully expect it to make all of that back plus some. So this is a huge win uh, for Blumhouse. Um, you know, initial reports were that. Uh, the movie would focus around, uh, I guess, his partner or uh, a police, another uh, another police officer, kind of detective that's kind of, you know, going around and, and kind of, uh, uh, you know, 
I don't know if really like uh, searching for maybe I guess what happened to her partner or what happened to the partner. Um, I don't, you know, like you said, don't know if that's going to change um, because Jamie Foxx was cast as fun. I, I think Jamie Foxx is a great actor, um, you know, and so I just don't know how much they're going to put him in the spotlight. You know, you don't really cast him to keep him in the shadows. Um, but I don't know that I see him as as Spawn, um, if you get what I'm saying. Like, I don't know – I mean, I, I didn't really care for his take as Electro. I felt it was really over-the-top and cheesy. Um, I just – you know, I thought Michael Jai White just, you know, really embodied it. I thought he – you know, he really didn't have a lot to lose, whereas, you know, people are going to really be critiquing – Jamie Foxx, and you know, I'm not saying go back to Michael Jai White, but maybe they could have gotten somebody, you know, maybe a little bit lesser known, or maybe somebody that's you know, um, not as old as Jamie Foxx. I mean, you know, because if the movie doesn't do well, you know, where do you really go from there? I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I just don't know that, you know, right now I'm really like buying him as as Spawn. I guess I'll just have to, you know, kind of see you know, the tone of the movie and where it goes from there. Well, I, I, I can see what you're saying to an extent. Um, and you're someone that I know, you know, for the most part, like understands movies and actors and stuff like that. So I take your opinion a hell of a lot more than some of these people online that, you know, bitch about the fact that, that, that Jamie Foxx is really playing this role. Like he's a horrible actor because he played in Amazing Spider-Man 2 like the director did, wasn't involved at all within that whole entire concept and that maybe he wasn't told to build that character like that. And not only that, really, when we get down to it, like this actor, you know, it might have been a couple of years ago, but won the Oscar over Leonardo DiCaprio for Ray, uh, has shown mm-hmm. us very depth when it comes to acting. And, you know, I wouldn't mind Michael J. White to play a cameo or, or maybe even a villain. You could make him um, overkill, I think, is uh, the character I'm thinking of in my head. Um, that would be fine, but to say, bring back Michael J. White, you know, Jamie Foxx is a bad actor, I think you're just showing that you just don't know a lot about acting, to me, when it comes to that style of opinion of, of aggressiveness online. But I can agree with you on what you're saying, because not only that, Jamie Foxx is a huge name, so now it has to be a little bit more about Jamie Foxx than the actual character. That's, that's, that's the fear I have into it, along with Tom McFarlane directing, uh, yeah. you know, being a first-time director. I, I understand he knows the character, but Nick, does any of that stuff does that worry you at all with this adaptation? And how do you feel about Jamie Foxx's plot? Uh, does it worry me? Um, that, well, Todd McFarlane <clears throat> making his directorial debut. I mean, anytime someone makes their directorial debut, you're you're at the very least curious as to how everything's going to play out. But I agree with you in the sense of if you get yourself a good director of photography, you you get yourself a good crew around you. Um, I think everything will be fine. I mean, to me, it certainly helps that he has a vision of the character, both in the sense of who the character is and how to frame the character. I mean, because he worked on the comics for so long. Um, I I, I think that goes a really, really long way as to, um, you know, him being able to pull it off. Um, But as far as as Jamie Foxx, I'm 100% on board with it. I think, I, I mean, I've seen enough versatility out of his career, whether 
it be Ray, um, whether it be his character in um, in uh, uh, Baby, Baby Driver. Driver. I thought I thought yeah, I thought he did great in that. Uh, even like a character like Motherfucker Jones, um, where it was obvious like a, a like just a, a spoof character in a in a spoof movie. Um, but like he pulls off like that that menacing, calm, cool, and collected you know um, vibe in this offbeat comedy. Um, I mean, he his character is is great in that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm I'm on board 100 percent with with Jamie Fox. Oh, and uh, one other one, um, he's so so good. It's probably my favorite of his performances. And 2004 is Collateral uh, with Tom Cruise. Um, where he, just, he, he just plays a cab driver and he's caught up in this crazy situation and God, he's so good in that movie. That movie's terrific. If y'all haven't seen it, it's, it's probably my favorite performance from both of those actors, honestly. Um, cause I think Tom Cruise, it was just so perfect for that role. Um, I honestly, that's like a role where I can't see anybody else playing that role. Like he was just so embodied that role. Um, but nevertheless, no, I'm totally on board with him. Um, what I'm kind of hoping for is, like, give it almost like the Silence of the Lambs treatment. Silence, yeah, Silence of the Lambs treatment. Um, and what I mean by that is um, Anthony Hopkins had a total of 19 minutes of screen time in Silence of the Lambs. Um, yet, who do we all remember from Silence of the Lambs? We remember Anthony Hopkins. Um, he was Hannibal Lecter. He stole the show. Every scene he was in was super important. Um like, I could see it being like that. Like, make the main character this detective, i.e. Jodie Foster's character in that movie, and make Spawn your, like, Hannibal Lecter. And just make his impact, like, that important and that big. And that may be, like, I know y'all are kind of have been speculating as to whether, um, you know, whether if you've got a big name like Jamie Foxx, maybe you change your... Um, your direction a little bit and try to focus that character more. But, like, I honestly think it would be super cool to see, like, a Spawn movie where, like, you know, Spawn isn't necessarily the main character, but he's the most important character, just like Silence of the Lambs. You can get away with that if you write a superb script, which I think Todd McFarlane knows the character well enough, um, you know, in order to do. I mean, Tucky should. Um, and, you know, it's just going to come down to, um, is he a great writer? Um, and that's, that's something, it's one thing to write a comic book, it's another thing to write a screenplay, and I get that, but, like, I'm excited. I mean, I, kind of what I have built up in my head, uh, I, I think this could be super awesome, and, uh, I'm totally down with, you know, Jamie, Jamie Foxx getting maybe the first, you know, getting first billing on the picture, but not having the most screen time. Um, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. And if, if it's done right, I think it could work splendidly. Absolutely. Um, all right, before we uh, move on, let's stay on the whole concept of, uh, there's another character that, that's very known that I think is going to be introduced in this movie. I could be wrong, uh, with the clown and, uh, violator. And I found, Someone uh, had posted the idea of Danny DeVito playing the clown and having Doug Jones play the <laughs> violator, but doing prosthetics. And I actually really like that concept. Um, are you guys hoping that they introduce that character and maybe even Mel Boljo, you know, the devil himself? Or do you want them to kind of keep this more street level? Uh, uh, Nick, how, how do you feel? Um, 
I would be fine either way. Um, if it was street level, I would be cool with that. I, I feel like there should probably be one big bad in there. Is the clown, is that who John Leguizamo played? Is that the same character? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's at least a character that the general public would remember and recognize. I feel like that's safe. Um, so, you know, if they went with that, um, you know, I, I think that would probably be your best bet as far as going with a, a character, um, especially because, you know, I mean, we haven't had a Spawn movie in over 20 years, so um, I think that would be smart. Um, but, I, I mean, I would be down for, you know, anything, you know. I mean, I think the majority of the film should kind of be street level and then escalate into this kind of um, maybe slightly bigger picture. Um, and if, if they want to go that route, then, you know, pick from any of those characters. Uh, but, yeah, as far as who I would like to play that character – um, off the top of my head, I mean, Danny DeVito would be something. Um, I, I mean, I, I definitely think he could pull it off. Um, I mean, he's, he's a really good actor. I mean, I think people probably know him best for It's Always Sunny nowadays, but, I mean, the guy's been in, in a really long list of really good movies. Um, uh, I, You know, honestly, I don't know. I, I would say maybe someone like, uh, I think, uh, you know, like an Edward James Olmos would be pretty good. A Clifton Collins Jr. Um, would be pretty good. Um, just those are two off the top of my head. I know a lot of people are going to pick Andy Serkis, but I think that that's kind of, um, I don't know, kind of a little bit too on the nose. I think that that's like picking out, uh, what's his name? Um, the kid who played Pennywise, uh, one of the, oh man, Bill Skarsgård. Skarsgård, uh, yeah. I think the, yeah, they they can get better choices, I, I would think. Um, someone put an awesome combination of um, Sam and Twitch being played by Michael Madsen and Aaron Paul, and that would be amazing as those two detectives <laughs> yeah, that don't get along in a piece of shit cops. Um, but now we're talking about a budget that's getting increasing and increasing that's supposed to be $10 million. Anyways, um, Kanan, uh, would you like to see Violator and the Clown explored in this next movie or kind of keep it more – you know, street level and maybe go more into that realm in the, in the sequel that possibly could happen? Uh, I don't think they're guaranteed a sequel, so I think you almost have to introduce them uh, in, in some capacity. Uh, I think uh, I think getting big-name actors is definitely going to creep into the budget. I, like I said, I do not think this movie is going to be um, a big budget. I think probably the biggest star um, will be Jamie Foxx, which, I mean... I'm really, like I said, I'm really shocked that they they got him. So either the script's really good, or Jamie Foxx just wants to do something fun, you know, for a change. Um, you know, what's funny is is that when Spawn came out years ago, the biggest name, other than Martin Sheen, uh, really the biggest name in that Spawn movie was John Leguizamo. Michael J. White was relatively yeah. unknown, uh, so uh, Spawn was the main character, but. Really, the spotlight was on John Leguizamo, the, the clown, the violator, all that. I think what would be pretty cool is if um, Michael J. White came back and did the voice for uh, Malbolgia. Uh, so then you could kind Ooh. of uh, have him come in and do the voiceover for him. Uh, and I think that, you know, if John Leguizamo doesn't want to or you don't want to bring him back as a clown, because let's face it, he was awesome as the clown. Uh, he was like, the role was perfect for him. Uh, but I think uh, Danny DeVito, no, I don't I don't think that would be a good fit. I think someone like Charlie Day uh, would probably be a really good fit for uh, the clown. And then the violator could All just right. be 
you know, CGI. Well, remember, CGI equals money, so if they're going to try to do something that big, I think that's why they're... Well, they're going to... I mean, this movie's going to have CGI. I mean, Spawn is going to be... Well, CGI yeah, but Violator galore. by itself is a lot. Um, I don't know. I, I disagree on the Danny DeVito. I think that that's actually a brilliant concept. He's done a lot of movies than just being the guy from Always Sunny, so... Who knows, but if, if you're saying John Leguizamo coming back, I don't usually like that concept, but I will put him up there because he's probably my favorite thing about that original Spawn movie. I'll put him up there with taking back, uh, you know, um, the actor to play J. Jonah Jameson, um, J.K. Simmons. Uh, I'd be down for that. I would actually be completely down for that. I like your idea of having Michael C. Hall play the voice of, uh, which I'm going to call it too, Malvolgia. That would be a very interesting concept. Um, but either way, it just, I kind of, I understand that this whole entire shared universe thing has been very hard, but now with this coming out, I kind of wish Blumhouse was just doing low-budget style image comic character movies, and we could have had maybe not a shared universe, but Blumhouse doing Witchblade and Darkness and Spawn and Savage Dragon and a lot of these characters and kind of take those sci-fi, horror, 80s, 90s cinema elements and really kind of go all out, but Obviously, you know, watching the troubles that, you know, uh, DC's having to an extent and Universal had and even Lucasfilms are having with this huge shared universe concept. Maybe that wouldn't be the best idea, but it would be very interesting. Uh, do you guys, does either one of you guys have anything else uh, as we wrap up the whole Spawn thing? Uh, Nick? Um, no, I mean, I, I think that you could get away with doing a lot of those things without having necessarily like you could just have them exist in the same universe without them actually having to connect. Um, and if Spawn is a success, I mean, I think, you know, you might see them go down that road and, and that would be kind of cool. Possibility could be there, Kate, and anything else? Uh, no, nothing really else to comment on it. All right, well, guys, our next uh, story is a crazy concept altogether. Uh, after a long time of being on the project, as in a couple months, uh, with this project dating back for fucking six years, I think, uh, The Crow, uh, both Jason Momoa and directing um, Corin uh, Hardy have exited the remake. <laughs> so now uh, Jason Momoa, I think, would be the fifth actor to jump off. We have Bradley Cooper, um, we had uh, Luke Evans at one point. We've we've had a, just a ridiculous amount of actors uh, for this and uh, different directors as well. And apparently, from what Corn Hardy said, this is the hardest decision he's ever had to make. Uh, Corn Hardy made The Nurse, uh, or not The Nurse, but The Nun, which is an off-branch movie of a character um, from the, uh, what's that series called? Uh, Conjuring. Thank you. Thank Conjuring. You. Nick yeah. is my... Nick is my memory tonight. Uh, for some reason, it's gone to crap. I wonder why. Um, but yeah, it just um, don't really know a lot of his work. Uh, I know he made another movie besides that. I think it was called The Hollow. Never saw it. Horror movie. Um, didn't really care about this project. I'm not one of those people that are like, The Crow is just a classic and no one should touch it because it's a classic. I'm not like that. I understand not only that you know, even even though it is a classic, it's a great movie, uh, has a great score, or not score, um, a great soundtrack, I should say, with uh, songs from The Cure and a bunch of other good stuff on it. I really do enjoy the movie. Um, I just, if if they're going to make another movie, guys, it doesn't matter what it is, it's not going to erase the original fucking version and 
then you're never going to be able to see it or anything like that. So having an adaptation, which their idea was to go more by the comic, and I really don't know what that means because I've never read the comic, uh, I didn't really care about this whole entire thing. And after director and director and director leaving an actor and actor and actor, I was hoping that Jason Momoa got the fuck off this nowhere project. Um, So it's unfortunate, uh, especially for people that have been working on the film for a long time, but I don't think this is going anywhere. And maybe they should just realize it's not going to go anywhere. Maybe they should get Todd McFarlane to start making like weekly updates about it. Maybe eventually it'll happen in another eight years. I don't know. Uh, Nick, how do you feel about this with Jason leaving and the director for the new Crow reboot, remake, whatever the fuck? Um, well, first things first, uh, I just gotta, I gotta bring in some, some life shit. Um, this, uh, so I got this new, um, uh, this new guy started, uh, working for the landscaping company that I work for and he brought up that he liked Nickelback the other day. <laughs> and I was like, wait, you just admitted that to like three people that you just met? Um, and he was like, man, like sometimes you just gotta listen to like, some, sometimes you just gotta listen to some sad music. And I was like... No, I mean, I get that, but I would rather listen to The Cure um, or The Smiths or Conor Oberst or, or, you know, any number of things before that. Um, so that I just had to get that off my chest. It had been bothering me, and I hadn't I hadn't been able to say it to anybody. So um, now you and all of our audience knows, knows my pain. <laughs> um, but as far as the Crow remake, I, I have – I'm just like you, dude. I couldn't care less. Uh, it's – yeah, and, I, and two, I'm like you. I'm not one of those people who's like uh, it's, it's 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 a classic that can't be um, can't be tampered with. You know, it's like like the people who say um, you can't remake Scarface. And it's like, dude, Scarface was a remake. You know, um, yeah. I I mean, I don't I don't really care. It, my thing is this: they've made a, what four, three or four Crow sequels, and none of them have been any good. Um, there's only so much you could say with this character, you know, like it, it, it's his, his story began and ended in the first Crow movie. And it was great. It was perfect. Um, it, it's not a character that needs to, you need to keep going back to. It's kind of like Kanan said with Spawn. Like, yes, there's a lot of different things you could explore. I mean, I think in one of the comic lines, Spawn, um, even like takes over the kingdom of heaven or some shit like that. Or, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not super familiar with the comics. I've heard it in passing. Um, but nevertheless, like with like a revenge tale, um, there's only so many like ways you can go about that. It's the same thing with like taken. Like the first taken movie was, was fine. The second and third, it's just like, how many fucking times are we going to do this? It's the same thing with The Crow. Like, if you can't do something new and different with the character, it's not going to have sustainability and be intriguing. Um, and, and I feel like that's the case with The Crow. And it, it, it's, it's, you know, and especially with something like The Crow, where the first Spawn movie wasn't really good. The first Crow movie is a good movie. Like, it's, it's a it's very enjoyable good movie like you said has a great soundtrack like you can still go back and watch that and enjoy it um so yeah i just didn't feel like it really needed to be remade um not that i wouldn't go see it it's just i i don't have any huge interest for it and i certainly didn't like jason momoa never hyped me up for it like i was just like okay like you know whatever um but like yeah, I, and I think, too, one of the biggest reasons that it, it, 
it has so much hoopla around it is because it was Brandon Lee's final film. Um, obviously, the um, the accident that happened with the with the blank, uh, the gun that shot blanks and everything. Um, and uh, you know, so I think that probably lends itself a little bit to to you know them a lot of people not wanting a remake, and I get that. Um, I, but to me, what it really boils down to is just the character and the fact that we got a really good movie out of it. To me, it, it's 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 like you know, if if you if you hit the nail on the head the first time, like no one's going to be clamoring for a remake. People will go see it but they're not clamoring for it. Whereas something like Spawn, where you didn't quite hit it right, I'm more intrigued to see something like that. Kaden, would you agree with that assessment? Um, I agree with, you know, I agree with a lot of it. I mean, I feel like this movie is is pretty doomed. And um, I just don't know that it's, it really needs to be made. I mean, the original Crow... Um, is a great movie. Um, you know, I hate that we really didn't get a true sequel because, you know, Brandon Lee died while filming it. Um, there have been other sequels, um, but none of those really live up to, uh, you know, to the original movie. And when you have actor after actor, actor and studio after studio, just kind of like drop off the project. I mean, there, I mean, it, why, do you really want to keep going after it? I mean, I just don't think it's something that really needs to be made. And if it gets made, it gets made. But I mean, they keep pushing it. I mean, I think Jason Momoa would have been a, a would have been great, um, you know, as the crow. Um, I think the director would have, you know, Corn would have done a great job with the film. Uh, but I mean, it's just it's just one of those things. And um, you know, when does a studio just eventually say, you know what, guys? We're just going to scrap it, and, you know, we're going to move on to other stuff. And if somebody comes up and they really, really want to do it, then, then go for it. I mean, I would almost, at this point, I almost would just, if you want it to come out so badly, then just go find some up-and-coming director who wants to get his feet wet in Hollywood, find an up-and-coming star who really wants to get his name out there, make the movie and see how it does. I mean, you don't need a big-time actor for this film. Uh, you just need to tell a really good story. So go out there and find an established um, screenwriter who can put together a great story and, and then make it. I mean, make it for 2 or $3 million um, and then go from there. And then once, you know, people see it and if they really like it, then the interest will be there. I just do not think there's any interest from anybody because anytime news comes out that they're remaking The Crow, all they ever do is people see people say this doesn't need to be remade we don't need to see this just stop just stop just stop we don't need to see this and then you know look what happens it's 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 snake bit dude i mean it's the the crow is carrying the bruce lee curse the 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 lee curse man that movie is just doomed it does not need to be made so i say just move on and and, and go in another direction Yeah, I I just don't care. I mean, just don't make this movie. <laughs> it's dead in the it's dead in the fucking water, people. It just it doesn't need to keep on going. And I mean, you've gotten better to worse to worse director, I think, with this whole entire concept until you get, you know, the 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 non uh, director. 
critically acclaimed nun director. I just, uh, I'm done. I'm over this. Let's go to another topic altogether, guys. There is a huge rumor going on right now, uh, not 100% for sure, obviously. And I'll pass the Kanan first so you can kind of go into more detail, that um, the Penguin might be the central villain in either the Batman or Birds of Prey or possibly be starring in both movies in some way. Um, uh, we've heard uh, many people say that they're, they would like to play uh, Josh Gad being one of them. Uh, I think that Patton Oswalt in the past has said that he would love to do it. Alfred Molina has said that he would love to do it. Toby Jones. I've heard people like, say Paul Giovanni, Rain Winston. There's so many good actors that could play this role. Recently I put Andy Serkis because he's worked with director of the Batman, obviously, previously in the Apes films. And um, a lot of good choices, basically. Uh, Caden, what details can you tell me further with this story and um, how do you feel if they pick the Penguin as the villain for the Batman? Or do you think that maybe he'd be better suited to be the villain in Birds of Prey since he's a fucking Penguin and it's Birds of Prey? Um, well, this story took off because Justin Kroll from Variety um, tweeted out that um, he had heard that you know, the Warner Brothers was wanting to use the Penguin and that uh, I think that the concept was going to be if, I guess, if, if, you know, depending on how Reeves' script was going, uh, you know, if they were going to use him for that movie or if it didn't work out with the Batman movie, then he could be looked as um, a villain for the, the Birds of Prey film. Um, because Justin Crowe works with Variety and Variety is one of the bigger trades, you know, this caught a lot of steam, people were running with it. Um, but I think even he was saying that, you know, just kind of run with it like right now is a rumor. I, you know, it's not, I don't think it's something that he's 100% um, committed to, but no one else has come out and said that it's not true. Um, you know, and of course, Gad has teased quite often, um, you know, about wanting to play the Penguin, and people thought that there was a smoke. Um, you know, fire with that smoke as well. But, you know, we've seen other people do that before. We, uh, you know, Army Hammer teased Green Lantern, and even Henry Cavill got in on it and had people thinking that Army Hammer was going to play Green Lantern, and, of course, none of that ever, uh, you know, panned out. Not yet, anyways. Um, I think the Penguin would be a really good fit for, you know, the Batman film. I mean, he was teased in Justice League. Uh, we haven't seen the Penguin since Batman Returns. Um uh, I think that he would be a kind of a cool, like kind of you know mob boss mentality uh, type character um, for Batman to go against. Um, if the script is right, um, I think I don't think he would be a terrible villain for um, you know the Birds of Prey either. Um, in fact, you know he he may even fit better you know with them um, you know starting out. Just, just because they could probably go in another direction with Reese Batman, you know, maybe using um, Hush or even bring Deathstroke back, um, have him uh, be the villain as well. Um, either way, I think he'll he'll be a good villain, um, you know, for Batman or you know the Birds of Prey. I just would I, honestly, my preference would be to see him as a Batman villain uh, than the Birds of Prey because I just don't know where. Uh, you know, they're going right now. I don't know if Harley's going to be working with them or she's going to be kind of the antagonist 
you know, maybe we see Joker. You know, I'm not sure where they're going to go with that film right now. Um, I think I'm just kind of more interested in if it is Penguin, who they get to play him. And, of course, you know, like you said, Andy Serkis um, has worked with Matt Reeves before, and he's no longer with Marvel since they have confirmed that Cloel is dead and not coming back. And, uh, you know, Boss Logic did that uh, pretty cool poster. And, um, you know, of course, that's got everybody hyped as well. And everybody would love to see Andy Serkis in the DC universe. So, uh, yeah, I I think it's going to be interesting to see where they go with this, if it's true. Yeah, I I, I personally would like to see it happen. Um, I would more or less like him to be the villain in Birds of Prey to be introduced to show his dominance. But I've kind of said this. I would like to use movie. If if we don't get the Batman and we get maybe Batgirl and this or Nightwing or, or maybe like one or two of them beforehand, show what parts of Gotham are taken over by what crime lords. Have Black Mask controlling this section, the Joker controlling that section, the Penguin doing this. And maybe they get wrapped up in the same story because Harley's going for whatever and gets caught up in the mix with the Birds of Prey who's going after to take out uh, Penguin. Then in the Batman, you could do a Hush-like story or something that's different, maybe the Riddler, and uh, it, not one of the crime bosses, but involve, you know, opening up uh, more of the world that way with Batman. Um, it's a very interesting concept. But uh, Penguin, I, want, I don't like the Josh Gad idea. I'm sorry. I, I think that Josh Gad's a great actor. I'd rather have Jonah Hill over him. And I, I know people are going to be like, what the hell? Uh, they're, they're a similar concept as an actor, same size, very similar look. Um, but Jonah Hill, I think, is a very impressive um, character actor. I think that he's shown a range and a quality that I'd rather him, but I'd rather neither of them. I don't, I don't think they could bring that character being serious. I thought he was wacky with Danny DeVito's version. It was fun. Um, you know, the, the version previous to that with um, – with uh, Rocky's coach, uh, damn it, uh, British Meredith, uh, also just very classic. I would like, if I had any choice, uh, and a lot of those great are great choices, Paul Giovanni would be great. Um, you know, Ray Winston would be great. Uh, there, there's a lot of versions of that uh, that would be awesome. I, shit, uh, give it to, um, uh, what the hell, um, uh, Tyrion. Um, oh, man. Why is my brain not working tonight, guys? Uh, Tyrion Lannister. Um, but, yeah, just to some I was, was going to let you figure that one out. <laughs> Peter Dinklage. I can't do it. Right. Peter Dinklage, thank you. <laughs> you know, there's certain people. But if I could have anyone, I would have Joe Pesci play a vicious penguin, a gangster lord penguin that's brutal as hell, that's much more grounded, that's try, that doesn't have web fingers or anything like that, that's more of how they displayed him in the comics in the 90s. He, he owns the Iceberg Lounge. He's a mob boss, and he's much more, you know, getting his guys to brutally murder someone in front of him type of concept. Robin Lord Taylor kind of had that ruthlessness that Penguin's supposed to embody uh, in Gotham, and I really appreciated him for doing that. Uh, so, yeah, that rage aspect, that gangster aspect. I don't think they're going to get Joe Pesci. I think Paul Giovanni would be my second choice after that. Uh, but something of that type of concept. Uh, Nick? How do you feel about this whole entire thing? Would you want to see the Penguin as a villain in either Birds of Prey or the Batman? Sure. No, I mean, I think it would be great. Uh, I, uh, granted, I, as much as I would like to see Deathstroke or Black Mask, um, you know, a character that we've yet to see take the silver screen, 
Um, and I, I think it would be a little too soon for Hush. I mean, I know that Batman's in an established universe, um, so you could definitely get away with it, but being that DC uh, seemingly, you know, to a lot of people anyway, has, has um, rushed a few too many things, um, I would hold off on that. I think that would be, I think that would almost be the perfect, um, that, like, benchmark to a Batman trilogy would be the Hush storyline. Um, or even, even the sequel could work. Uh, but no, I mean, I think, I think your, your five biggest, um, Batman villains, like of all time are, are probably Joker, Penguin, Riddler, Catwoman, and, uh, Two-Face. Like I, when I think of Batman villains, those are like the five that come to mind first. And out of those five, the one that we, uh, that's been the longest since we have seen is the Penguin as, um, Kanan mentioned it's been since 1992 Batman Returns since we've seen the character um, so no I, I would be totally fine with it I really like Toby Jones um, Dan you, you mentioned him earlier um, I, I think uh, Toby Jones he, he's got like a, a, a somewhat of a to me almost like a Philip Seymour Hoffman quality where he could play menacing like, he's not asked to do it very often. He's usually, like, weaselly. Um, but I think he could pull it off. Like, when when Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, obviously we weren't doing all of this when he was cast in uh, Mission Impossible 3, but he showed, like, a new range in that movie of just being so menacing. Like, he... I, I don't recall him ever having done a character like that before that film. Um, I think Toby Jones could pull that off, too, um, and maybe it's just because they both played Truman Capote in different movies that I'm drawing this parallel. I don't know. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I really like him. I think he could pull it off very well. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I like the idea. Um, as far as Birds of Prey, I, I don't mind it because I think you would want to get, um, like, an established villain. Like, I think you could get away with a lesser-known villain more in a Batman movie than you could in a Birds of Prey movie. So I would get it in that aspect. Um, if they wanted to utilize that character in that movie, that would be fine with me. Um, but again, it's, it's kind of like Kanan said. There's so much like um, there, there's so much that we don't know about the movie, um, like how everything is going to be constructed. Whereas with a Batman movie, we at least know you know Batman is the guy who's going to fight the villain. Like, with Birth of Prey, like, Kane said, we don't know what, how Harley's playing a role. We don't know, you know, there's there's rumors who's going to be involved with the Birth of Prey, but, you know, we're not certain. I, you know, I've heard Huntress. I've heard uh, Black Canary. Um, but, like, none, I don't think any of that is confirmed yet. So, um, so it, all of that is up in the air. Um, so it, it's just hard to pontificate as far as how the penguin would fit in that equation whereas with batman you could very easily fit him into the equation of you know batman versus the penguin um and all of his goons um so but yeah i mean i i would totally be down with the penguin being showcased it's been a while since we've seen him and he's a that's just a terrific character absolutely and i the thing with the the birds of prey is like you could easily have him be the villain of like maybe how they form the Birds of Prey is all the women go in and try to infiltrate the Iceberg Lounge trying to get him separately and end up having to work together to do it. 
Uh, I know in the New 52 I've heard that uh, Penguin gives Black Canary her moniker of the Black Canary, so there is like a little bit of a tie in that. Um, sure. She could just be in for something completely separate. Barbara Gordon could be there. Huntress might be trying to kill him for something involved with her mob bob dad for some reason. Um, Holly Quinn, same thing, maybe. I don't know how she'd be able to get past it since she's probably noticeable since she's the Joker's girl. Uh, but they can kind of, maybe maybe he he uh, he he gets her. Maybe he uh, uh, what you call it? Um, attacks Harley her. with his goons and is keeping her hostage against Joker or something like that. So hmm. I mean, there's a lot of different avenues they can do to kind of like you know straighten out how he is a huge mob boss presence in Gotham and a, a suitable villain. Uh, it, it's funny because you said Philip Seymour Hoffman. That was probably one of my top choices. And, he was rumored to be playing uh, the Penguin in the third um, Dark Knight trilogy movie, uh, but that never obviously happened. But yeah, I just I, I definitely uh, think Toby Jones has qualities. That I can see what you're saying, but either way, we're going to go into another concept. Um, we're, we're fantasy casting, and it's another DC story. Uh, but Justice League casting director Laura Kennedy is leaving Warner Brothers now. Laura's been there for a very very long time, about 20 years now, casting for many, many movies for Warner Brothers. She, she specifically cast for all of the DC movies so far between Justice League, PBS, Wonder Woman, uh, Suicide Squad, and Man of Steel and everything. So she's had her hand in all of this. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I'm, it's not that I'm happy or anything that anyone loses their job. Well, she's actually walking away. So it's obviously she, she's somewhat of a retirement and a wrap-up. But I'm just going to say that I've liked a lot of her casting and it's worked out, but a lot of her choices as far as comic books, uh, you know, a- adapting those characters for the big screen, I have to say most of them have been controversial. Uh, you know, you look at the past with uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and, you know, just the community of the geek community uh, accepting all of them. It's kind of not been there. Even Ben Affleck has turned into a great Batman, but a lot of people were apprehensive about that. Uh, then you have someone like uh, Jared Leto, which a lot of people were like, yeah, yeah, I'm down for that. And he ended up doing the opposite of that when it comes to the um, uh, the community themselves uh, accepting that character. Now, I'm not saying that that's all her, her bad or anything like that, but Ezra Miller is a very weird, unique choice for The Flash. Um, Jason Momoa is a very unique choice for um, Aquaman. I guess what I'm trying to get at is that I'm glad that there's no firing or her leaving Maybe Hamada had something to do with this, but she's been at Warner Brothers for a long time. She's been casting for them. Do you think that now they can maybe get a casting director that has, that seems to have the comic books a little bit more in mind? Um, I don't think it's important 100%, but it seems like she didn't have a lot of uh, frame of reference. She was going more off of, uh, I guess, maybe her own instincts. I don't know. That's, that's uh, me speculating at this point, but... Um, Kanan, how do you feel about her leaving, and do you think that maybe Hamada had anything to do with this? Uh, no, I, I mean, from what I read, I think she just wanted to go in and do other uh, things um, creative-wise, so I guess she she probably just felt like she had done really all she could do at Warner Brothers. Um, I, I, You know, of course, that could just be, you know, kind of for PR, like, hey, we, we're going to say this, but this is really it. But, I mean... I think that, you know, she's. I, I think that that's probably what it is. That she's just probably done what she, all that she can do there. She's been there for twenty years. Uh, just probably got, you know, 
uh, tired of kind of doing the same thing. You know, maybe she's going and, you know, starting her own business or uh, maybe she's going to go into another, you know, avenue of, uh, you know, production or something like that. So, I mean, don't really know exactly, um, you know, where her career is going to take her, but she's done a lot of great things for Warner Brothers. She, you know, like you said, she had her hand in um, casting um, or helping to cast, um, you know, a lot of the DC movies. And, uh, you know, whether or not all the casting decisions have been up to her, been up to the director, um, you know, I think for the most part, you know, they've worked out. Of course, you know, not everybody's going to be happy with who get cast in films. I mean, uh, that happens, you know, even in, uh, you know, Fox and Sony and, and Marvel and stuff like that. But um, I don't want to say that it's anything really to do with Hamada um, because she's a, she was Warner Brothers casting, whereas um, Hamada's pretty much just over DC. So I doubt it has anything to do with her. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who they get to fill her, fill her shoes, and she, if it'll be somebody that's uh, you know a well-known um, director, or if maybe they'll just have it to where you know they have somebody that kind of come in, comes in and kind of looks for the cast, consults, and then you know maybe they're going to leave it up to uh, the studio heads. You know, so like Hamada would have the final choice, or the directors of the films would have the final choice on who um, you know who they want to cast. Yeah, because that, 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 that is what I'm wondering is that um, maybe, you know, we, we know there's been a lot of involvement with Warner Brothers, uh, you know, kind of having a heavy stamp on what gets done, even over the directors and the creative minds in charge of that over at DC. So I'm wondering with her, not necessarily if she dictated, but if she was more pushing for certain things and her word and her opinion and her, 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 um, who she wanted, was who the company wanted. Now, that's all speculation. I don't know that for a fact, but Nick, uh, with all of this, do you think that for someone like her, the kind of one out of the box with a lot of the casting decisions, if she was a part of them or if she picked them specifically herself, uh, do you think it's good that we can possibly get someone that will go more towards the norm, or do you think that was actually a good quality about her, that she was kind of, uh, like I said, a little bit out of the box with her, her selecting for actors? I mean, <clears throat> honestly, it just depends on who they get to replace her. Um, you know, I don't mind being a little outside the box. Um, uh, oftentimes, that is hit or miss, and that was, you know, I I would say the case with her. But like, you look at something like casting Golgadot, and like that was a total home run, and she was, you know, virtually an unknown. Um, she had only been in a handful of movies was, you know, kind of this this um almost unknown Israeli actress and, you know, she she fit the role perfectly and she did a great job. She or she's done a great job in, you know, all all three of her DCEU movies to this point. Um and, you know, in my opinion was uh headlined the best of the DCEU movies to this point. So um I you know I, I, I definitely would not criticize her um, as far as the job that that she has done, um, you, you know, I think I I like Jason Momoa as Aquaman. It's definitely um, off the beaten path. Uh, as much as uh, Ezra Miller is more Wally West than Barry Allen, um, I, I feel like for the way they wrote the role, he was you know very very good casting choice. Um, he delivered his lines terrifically um, in Justice League. 
So, you know, I mean, honestly, I kind of feel like it just depends on who you get to replace her. And, and, you know, once we figure out who that is and what their um, history is, I feel like I'll have a better idea as to how I feel about, um, you know, who who that person is um, and and what to expect going forward. Um, But as far as now, I'm I'm not necessarily in um, panic mode, nor am I in celebration mode. Um, Like I said, I I think the – the job has been done adequately. Uh, we've we've got a lot of great roles out of it. We've had some misses, but you know, I, I even still with the misses, I feel like more of that had to do with writing and and you know the the, the way the stories were constructed and less to do with casting choices. I mean, like you said, like with Jared Leto, um, yeah, you know, Jared Leto is a fucking terrific actor, uh, and a lot of people didn't like his Joker, but you know, as far as casting, you know, if if you were going to cast someone to play the Joker and you told me it was going to be Jared Leto, I, I, there's no zero chance that I would be like, what are you thinking? You know, that's a, that's a great decision. Um, now, what we got was a little controversial, um, but again, a lot of that, I'm sure, had to do with the directorial process uh, and 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 the, the particular actor's process of, of how he how he was taking in the character and everything else. Um, but as far as her decision, as far as casting, I you know I have no problem with it, and it'll be interesting to see you know who we get you know going forward. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm a little bit more on the opposite side. I'm you know um, I think that a lot of the stuff that she's picked has worked out. But I think that every single, you know, if, if, if we're to believe that she had a major opinion on all of this, which I'm assuming she did, um, she's kind of picked some certain people that I definitely second guessed them, with, whether it be Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, who didn't work out, or even Ben Affleck as uh, Batman. But she also, I mean, Harley Quinn was a great pick. Um, I think Will Smith is Deadshot. You know, there's certain people that I think she's done a great job for, but I'm kind of okay with someone else coming in and potentially being the person that picks Martian Manhunter, Green Lantern, you know, if we don't have any more setbacks and we keep on going forward, that's, that's another thing. By, uh, by the way, yeah. by, by bringing up Ben Affleck, you mean because of the eventual will he or won't he continue the role, you don't mean as far as his performance, right? No, I'm just saying when he first got cast, everyone went apeshit, and I was one of those people that were like, where the fuck did you get this idea from? Now, he ended up doing a good job, uh, don't get me wrong, but I think two of her, her best casting decisions have been Jared Leto and, um, and uh, what's his name, uh, Henry Cavill, and both of them, it's more the director's fault that their characters are kind of wonky uh, compared to their comic book counterparts. So, sure. you know, it's, it's not all on her, and I think she's definitely had some good choices. It's just now getting some new blood I don't think is a bad thing at all. I think that that can kind of be beneficial, and we should probably – you know, we've all said this, dive away from Warner Brothers being so in charge of everything and letting the people that are in charge of the DC Universe make the decisions going forward. Um, so, like I said, I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating a lot on her, on her involvement and the amount of uh, power she had. But either way, um, Kanan, do you have anything uh, else to say while, before we wrap up? This, this, uh, uh, no, we, we, no, we can move on. All right, guys, let's go on to our next topic. Guys, Silver and Black is off Sony's schedule. I think we talked about this like a fucking month ago. (laughs) Uh, I think that 
it's a smart idea. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I like the idea that Black Cat might be involved, uh, the rumors, uh, with the next Spider-Man movie in some way. So maybe they've said, all right, we've got to figure our shit out. Where, where do we really want to use her? You know, Felicia Hardy has much more involvement with Peter Parker at this point. And with, um, you know, Spike Lee's new project, uh, with uh, Morbius in the pipe, with Venom, it's all like, you know, Nick has said, for a long time about Venom and, and, and how that movie does and whether or not these projects are going to get greenlit. And um, I think this is one of those projects that didn't really have a direction. Uh, they didn't really have a concept of where it would end up with the storyline and connecting wise. Uh, they just wanted to make the movie to make the movie to develop the characters, to make toys and, you know, expand their universe, which is not a good way of going into it. Um, Nick, uh, how do you like the fact that they decided to take this off the slate? Uh, well, first things first, I I think that um, the predictive of how um, Venom does will have a, a big effect on you know how these movies go. I, I want to say that was uh, Juwan's uh, uh, proclamation before it was mine. I just agreed with him. But uh, Juwan's gotten no, credit for my proclamations in the past. So I will take full credit for that shit. Fuck you, Jawan. Um, <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Jawan. But, <laughs> but, uh, but nevertheless, um, I, you know, I agree. I think I, I, I again, I, I've agreed with that. Uh, that it's a, it's kind of a wait and see aspect, and and the simple fact that they don't really have anybody attached to that movie yet. They don't. I I haven't heard anything about a script. They've been trying to cast people for. God knows how long, um, and and they just don't have any traction with it. Whereas with Nightwatch, there's traction. With Morbius, there's a little less traction, but uh, than Nightwatch, but still more traction. Like go with the projects that you have, um, and you know put those forward. I think I've said something maybe somewhat controversial at times. It with the same thing with the DCEU is like, you know, I I get that we want you know a Batman movie, but, you know, if you, if you have a really good, um, you know, um, Justice League dark movie that you have a script written for and everything else, uh, that, that's just, that's just an example. It's not, you know, not saying that they do, but like, if you do like go with that, like, you know, make what you have, um, and, and make what you know is, is, or what you are strongly inclined to think is going to be really good. Um, and don't force something in the works that's not going to be good. You don't need to jump on that bandwagon of we have to have strong female characters, um, you know, because that's what's popular right now. Like, if you don't have a good story, then don't do it, you know? Like, don't do it just to do it. Um, you know, wait a little bit, make sure you have a good story, and then, you know, that way you can develop those characters. And like you said, if... if, if um, uh, um, uh, Black Cat is in uh, Spider-Man uh, 2 or Spider the Spider-Man Homecoming sequel, then maybe that can help develop that character and drum up some interest for that character to where you can, um, you know, better utilize the, the whole spinoff feature. Um, so th- there's a lot of different ways you can go with it. And we also have to, you know, take into account that maybe at least part of this has to do with, you know, the, the Sony-Disney um, partnership and how they're utilizing these characters and everything else um, that, that's happening behind the scenes. Um, I, I'm not 
I, I tend not to think that that's what it is. I tend to think it's more just Sony doesn't have the necessary parts to go ahead with this project. Um, but like I said, if that's the case, then fine, just don't do it. Just just wait until you do have all of your ducks in a row, and then go ahead with it. I, I agree with that. Uh, Kenan, how do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know that the, the director said that she's, you know, trying to work on the script and take her time. I don't think that, uh, honestly, I think it's the studio's call, I think, for the delay. Um, I don't think there's even been any casting. So, you know, people were saying that this was supposed to start shooting soon. Um, there's no, there's no cast. So how are you going to shoot anything without the cast? Um, uh, also there's a lot of reports that Sony really wants to dump their entire studio. They almost want to be like Fox and sell to someone else. Um, they just don't really want to be in the movie business anymore. They want to just work and they just want to focus on electronics and, and stuff like that. Um, so I don't think they're in any huge rush um, for these films. Uh, I think they will take the, the wait-and-see approach um, with Venom, which I really hope Venom does well so we get Carnage. Um, I don't really care about a silver and black film. I don't mind seeing them in the Spider-Man universe. Um, but Sony's whole let's do a complete spinoff with all these characters and not include Spider-Man is just really honestly one of the stupidest things I've ever heard of. Um, which, you know, so I really wouldn't mind Sony selling and giving Spider-Man's rights back to um, uh, Marvel so we could just have everything in-house. Um, but in the meantime, let's hope Venom does well. So people need to go see that movie so we can get Carnage. Um, I think I said last week with me and Joel talking, not really too, I don't really care too much about a Morbius movie. Um, I'd rather see Blade if you're going to do uh, Vampire. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what Sony's doing, uh, but I think it's smart to, to wait and see. You know, don't don't be like Fox and throw out, oh, we're, we're doing Gambit, uh, but we're not doing Gambit. Uh, oh, we're going to shoot Gambit, but we're not going to shoot Gambit. Or we're doing X-Force, but we're not doing it. You know, just don't be like them. Just say, hey, we're taking this off the table. We're going to see how this does, and then, and then go from there. You mean don't do like DC? <laughs> uh, well, I mean DC's got Shazam filming and stuff like that. They're they're you know they're not Gambit. I think has probably been the worst as far as saying they're going to start filming and then they're not filming and then the director's on board and then he leaves. Um, I, I think you know Gambit's probably been the worst of those. I mean, if you're comparing DC, I would say the Flash has probably been DC's version of the of Gambit. Whereas they have a director, they don't have a director. You know, they're going to start filming, they're not going to start filming. So, but um, no, I mean, so I think Sony's just doing the smart thing. They're just taking it off. They're going to see how Venom does, uh, and then go from there. Sorry, Kanan, I just I, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> no, it's okay. I don't uh, really want that Gambit movie. I I love Gambit. I do. I do really want the Gambit movie. Like, is, is that such a crime? <laughs> no, I just I, I think it's like the crow, man. I just don't think it's ever getting made. Yeah, no, I do. I'll, although I will say this, I think a I think an MCU Gambit movie where he teams up with Ant Man to steal something would be super fucking awesome. 
I want. I, I've always wanted a Rogue and Gambit movie. If I get a Gambit mm. movie, I want the two of them. Yeah. In one film. Um, yeah, it would be get, awesome. like like I, dude. I still I'm obsessed with that casting of the uh, the older sister and her ex boyfriend from Stranger Things playing Gambit and Rogue, in whatever X Men movies come out in the future. Don't know the name uh, of the actors, but uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you know what I'm talking about. Cross Logic did them as the characters, and they were they were pretty impressive. Um, I still way, I still really. I so really like Josh uh, Josh Hartnett uh, as Gambit. You, you've forever imprinted that in my brain. <laughs> I dude, I've I've been wanting that for a year. Like, if, all right, say if Fox does it, I would rather him than um, and I, and I like Channing Tatum, but I'd rather Josh Hartnett a hundred percent of your. I've been saying that since high school. I think yeah, he's he more. He's just more Gambit. cool. Well, you know, like, you know who was my first? So you know much who I originally it was Luke Perry when I was really young from Beverly Hills now to uh Dylan. Yeah, I always thought that he had that concept going for him. And then yeah. Josh Hartnett kind of had that in high school, so uh, from the faculty and uh, the fact that his eyes yeah. are really dark. I don't know. But either way, yeah, we're talking about Gambit now. We're not even talking about what we were talking I don't even remember what the <laughs> last topic was. I think it was Silver and Black. Anyways, guys, let's talk about some non-comic book movie news uh, for the rest of the uh, show. Uh, the first one I want to talk about, um, Timothy Oliphant is in talks to join Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Burt Reynolds, Tim Roth, Kurt Russell, and Michael Madsen in, in the new Tarantino film uh, during the time period of the Charles Manson murderers. Uh, it's going to be about the 60s. It, it, it's a very interesting concept. And then you also have Charles Manson. Uh, we don't know who is playing Charles Manson. Um, Maybe he's going to get Walton Goggins to play him. I have no idea. He's probably needs to be younger than that. But uh, Timothy Oliphant, I think, also connected to um, to Walton Goggins. Uh, great actor. I've enjoyed him in a lot of his stuff uh, between um, Justified. He was in some other cowboy show that I can't think of. It was on HBO for a very long time. But he was a great actor, um, just a great addition to his outstanding cast. Uh, with this addition, Nick, are you more excited about this next Tarantino movie um, or less excited? Uh, I'm certainly not less excited. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I love, uh, Timothy Oliphant. I, I mean, he's obviously like, I think probably the first thing that most of us, and I, when I say us, I mean, uh, people of our generation, Dane, remember him from was the girl next door. Um, like, I feel yeah, like that was dickhead porn star producer. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was like the big thing that we saw him in. And of course he's been in a lot of awesome things since then. He, he played a great villain and live free or die hard. Um, and uh, he, he's been in a lot of, of really interesting roles, and I, I think he's a really good actor. Um, yeah, I, I'm very interested to see if he's playing a role in this movie, because, um, of course, it's still just speculation. He's in talks. Um, but, I mean, if he is, like, I, I think him under, you know, kind of the guise of a, a director like Tarantino, like, we, we could see one of, if not his best performance to date, and all of those names that you've already thrown out are so good. Like, that cast is stacked. I, I'm really hoping that we get um, kind of more of a, um, like, kind of back to basics as far as Tarantino, where we get, like, these maybe three to five different stories that intertwine all around, well, like, kind of circling. Yeah, yeah, more Pulp Fiction-y, like, kind of circling around um, 1969's Los Angeles, and they all have.
have some kind of small connection to the Manson murders of, of Sharon Tate and, and, you know, all those other people. Um, like, I think that would be super interesting. That's, that's kind of what I've got my fingers crossed for. And as far as um, uh, Charlie Manson, uh, you know who I would really love to see Charlie Manson uh, play Charlie Manson is Emil Hirsch. Um, uh, also from the girl next door, uh, the guy has, you know, he got, you know, wasted at like some Hollywood party and apparently like, uh, tried to choke, um, like an exec, a a film executive, um, who was a woman, no less. Um, so he kind of got blacklisted. He was recently in, in that, um, movie, the autopsy of Jane Doe, which Dana, I know you saw and said was really good. Um, and I've heard other people say it was pretty good, um, but you know he, he's been he's been kind of blacklisted, and and you know Tarantino is the guy who doesn't give a fuck about any of that. Um, he he brought back John Travolta. Um, he recently um, cast uh, um, uh, shit. What's her name? Um, uh, damn, her name escapes me. But very famous uh, actress from the '80s in his most recent Western movie. Um, I, I believe she was, thank you. That is exactly who I was thinking of. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's kind of famous for, for bringing people back and, and, and resurrecting people's careers. Um, so I think Emil Hirsch, I think he, he's got that, that kind of, um, that face. Like more that dog things, Yeah. Well, that face that kind of feigns innocence, but there's something sinister, um, lurking behind it. And to me, that's, if you look at, like, the early pictures of Manson, like, you know, without any preconceived notion of, of who he actually is and who we all know him to be now, um, I, I think you could, could get a lot of that from from that actor. I think he would be perfect for the role. Well, I'm, I, I like that idea a lot, but I'm going to stay with Girl Next Door and say that I would pick Paul Dano to play uh, young Charles Manson. He's uh, really tall, though. Girl Next Door. Is he really tall? Uh, thinking he's camera. Yeah, he's like doesn't matter. Six three, I think. Uh, tomato boy. He, he didn't look. Tur- yeah, he didn't I know. Look but Manson, Manson was like five foot one, five two, something like that. Like, um. So, but okay. yeah, I mean, you Nick, you can Nick, obviously Nick, take Nick, what, what do we do? We do we have to take? Do we have to have Wolverine at five two and put him in his yellow and blue costume? <laughs> yeah, but down? Wolverine's a fictional character, man. A fictional character. I just did the little I thing. I wish James Manson was. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, but he's not. So, like, I, w- I, would, I would try to stick. My other choice would be Daniel Radcliffe. I think he could pull it off, too. Okay, I, I like both those choices. All right, Kanan, um, how do you feel about this casting announcement, and why would you like to see uh, Selena Gomez play Charles Manson? I'm more of an uh, Ariana Grande man myself, so I think Ariana Grande would be a much better Charles Manson. No, um, as far as the cast goes, uh, Tarantino's always had a way of handling a huge ensemble, so I, I don't, I don't think this is going to be any different. Um, uh, you know, as far as people saying, oh, you know, like star power. I mean, I know DiCaprio will probably be, um, you know one of the biggest things, but Timothy Oliphant's a, a great actor. Um, you know, like you said, Justified, he's in that show, Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix. Um, you know, he was in the uh, the Die Hard movie, you know, and then the movie The Girl Next Door, like you said, I think that might have been one of his 
earlier movies. Um, but uh, it's just another great addition to an already great cast. Uh, yes, he was in Deadwood. Uh, that was a great show as well. Um, but yeah, he's just a, another another good actor in an already great cast. Um, so I, I think Tarantino will, um, you know, once again, just kind of, you know, give everybody their time to shine. Uh, I don't know that he'll do the Pulp Fiction style where it's kind of told and from a, a different point of view. Um, you know, he, he could. Uh, that's kind of how he did it with the Glorious Bastards. Um, you know, just going from different place here and there and then kind of all leading up to them all meeting at, at, at the end. Um, as far as, like, who would play Manson, um I mean, have they have they said that it's? I mean, from what I've read, like conflicting stuff. Like some people said, it's going to be kind of based around the Manson time, but it's not really going to be an adaptation of the Manson murders. Um, so I don't even know if they would cast somebody as Charles Manson. I guess if they I, did, I just think it's it's uh, not not going to actually be about Charles Manson. Like the movie's not going to be about his murderers from his perspective. It's going to be about stuff. What I could see him doing is since you know, we're talking about the vignette concert Canaan is that mm. maybe you see people that are a part of the cult that interact with certain actors in certain scenes and all of them are separate, but all of it accumulates to eventually what happens, the murders and stuff like that. But you see all these characters interacting with these other characters and different parts of the movie. And then they kind of like lead up and it's like, Oh shit. Did you hear what happened last night? You know, blah, blah, blah. was in this whole entire thing with that crazy ass Charles Manson. Like, Something to that extent is what I'm I'm assuming. So they probably yeah. cast them. I I also understood. Um, yeah, man. I mean, your your casting of uh, Paul Dano was uh, was pretty good. I mean, I know he's he's too tall. You know, we're going to go with historically accurate characters. I mean, how many God. actors out there are five two, five three? It's like um, Peter Dinklage could play Abraham Lincoln because of Nick. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I know. Even though, even though I'm Peter just Dinklage saying, man, Emil Hirsch is short. Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> is short. They're both they're both really good actors. Why are you giving me shit? I'm just kidding. I think I'm Danny, kidding. I think I think I think uh, Tarantino just needs to go on out, man, and get Daniel Day Lewis to play Charles Manson. I think then you would have an, <laughs> I, I bring him back. Would, One final ride. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think Daniel Day Lewis should play. You should play uh, um, Toucan Sam in a documentary. Anyways, uh, <laughs> all right, let's go to our last major topic, guys, tonight. Uh, Han Solo uh, is actually going to be the first technical flop for Disney. Uh, so far, it has made $264 million. Uh, The first weekend, it made $84.4 million for the three-day weekend. Um, it, it was number one at the top. It's going to drop now. It's got a 65% drop and has made less than $30 million this last weekend. Um, wow. Uh, just kind of relatively quickly since we have 10 minutes left. Nick, how does that make you feel? And do you think that we're going to have more – like, do you think this will affect Boba Fett or an Obi-Wan movie? Or maybe they're going to be like, maybe we should do something a little bit different. I I definitely think they should explore different uh, things, and I think this kind of points to that. Though I will say this, I, I I think a lot of the backlash to this movie has to do with the casting, and a lot of the the fans having a problem with the casting, and you juxtapose that 
with the fact that so many Star Wars fans had a problem with The Last Jedi and that left a bitter taste in their mouth. I really think they should have waited until Christmas to release this movie. Um, yeah. I think it would have done a lot better at that time span. Uh, people would have had, you know, enough time passed to where, you know, they wouldn't still be um, so hateful of The Last Jedi. Maybe they watch it again and they don't hate it as much, or maybe they just, you know, get over it because of time. Um, so I, I think a lot of the, the cards were stacked against them for this film. And, and Disney, you know, there was a report that came out you know, like three or four months ago that Disney was kind of preparing for this. Um, so they, they, they knew, they, they kind of saw the writing on the wall. Um, but no, I mean, I, I don't think this has an effect on, uh, the Boba Fett movie or the Obi-Wan movie. I, I still think they'll go through with those. And, you know, if, if we get to see Ewan McGregor play Obi-Wan, you're going to see a lot of people go see it. If, if we get a, a, a competently made Boba Fett movie, um, less people will go see it than the Obi-Wan movie, but there will still be people who go see it. Um, but I definitely think, uh, two things. One, they probably need to rein in their budget on these, uh, Star Wars stories movies and not, um, put as much money into them uh, as maybe they have with the past two. Um, and two, I, I think it definitely points to we need to see um, some stuff that takes place outside of the overarching trilogy. Skywalker. So, you know, yeah, we're just starting with episode one and going to up to episode eight. Like, let's get some shit that happens way before that or way after it or, you know, like, or, or just way you. outside of it. Um, like let's, let's, it's a huge universe. There's so much to be explored. Um, you know, and if we're going to go the route of, uh, having stories that take place like in that time frame, frame, maybe let's, let's, you know, make the, the characters that we've seen a lot of take a backseat and be the supporting characters. Like to me personally, I would have much rather have seen a Lando Calrissian movie where Han Solo was a minor character than vice versa. Um, I would love to see a Shadows of the Empire movie where Sebastian Stan makes not maybe maybe not a cameo as Luke Skywalker, but has a, a small supporting role, and we get to you know follow Dash Rendar. Um, like, there's so many stories that they could tap into that would be more interesting than seeing a young Han Solo um, or you know uh, a young Boba Fett or you know what you know whatever the case may be. So that's you know that's kind of where I sit on it. Yeah, and the fact that this movie, because of reshoots and everything and all the problems, cost almost $400 million, and it hasn't even been able to make half that right now. And it's yeah. chunking to be dropping and dropping every week. That's not, that's not good. Uh, Kaden, do you think Lucasfilm should allow, I don't know, diehard Star, Tra- Star, Star, Trek, Star Wars fans to start writing the film since they obviously know how they're supposed to be done a hell of a lot more than the creative <laughs> team behind them, right? Uh well, I, I I did see that there was a nice little exchange between uh, Colin Trevorrow and Mark Hamill on Twitter about pretty much Colin saying that his son could have wrote a better uh, script for The Last Jedi than Ryan Johnson. Uh, and then Mark Hamill kind of got in on it, and I, I guess he added fuel to the fire. Um, you know, because I know Hamill kind of backtracked a little bit about his his take on his character um, with The Last Jedi, but uh, when it first came out, you know, Hamill was not uh, happy with the way his character, you know, Luke Skywalker was treated in the movie to begin with. So, uh, but no, I don't think fans should write anything because, you know, 
people get paid to be screenwriters. Fans, I've seen them do great uh, fan fiction on YouTube and stuff, and it's really it's really good for that, you know, uh, click of people that watch that. But I don't know how well that would transition to uh, the big screen and for the general audience. Yeah. Um, I will say this though that the box office that Solo is getting is not deserved of you know it's not any indication of, of the films uh, how good or how bad it is because Solo is is a really good film it's not a terrible film at all it's much better than the Last Jedi the Last Jedi is a dumpster fire <laughs> um, oh, Solo is actually a really is, Solo is a really fun movie. Um, there are some great things to take away from it. Can I um, mute him? Can <laughs> mute me? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry if you like The Last Jedi. I, I mean, I'm in the I'm in the boat. I'm sorry you couldn't uh, write for, for Lucas. Uh, that, I'm sorry that you couldn't create the ending you wanted. I never so said that oh, writing. I just said it was terrible. But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, Solo the simple beat. Uh, just it up. Wrap that shit up, dude. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! The one, the one last Jedi fan, and he's part of Geek Designation. But uh, uh, oh, hey, sorry, fans, if you have a problem with it, if you have a problem with it, we could be doing the prequels over again. So quit your bitching, or we don't even have to have Star Wars films anymore. <laughs> Fucking pains in the ass. Uh, anyways, oh, the right, let's get down the to the end really of the. It's the best one out of the prequels, but that doesn't say much, I don't think. Um, that's like, you know, being the best. Never, never mind. Anyways, guys, it's been a great I, show. Hold on. Hold on, Jane, real oh, quick. Geez. I will say this. To, to Kanan's point, um, uh, it, it's one thing to come up with an idea. It's another thing to write a story. Um, and a lot of Star Wars fans uh, and fans of any, of any you know, uh, franchise are really good at coming up with ideas. Uh, coming up with a story and then writing that story and all the dialogue that goes with it is really fucking hard. And if you think you can do it, sit down and try. I challenge you because it is not fucking easy. Believe me, I've tried. Um, so I, I totally back Kanan up on that on that sentiment. Oh uh, well, uh, I'm looking forward to Rain jo- uh, Ryan Johnson's uh, trilogy. I think he's a superb director and he's very original. Um, I'm sorry that a lot of the majority of people out there want the same exact fucking thing, and that's why they got Abrams to do it. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And that's why he's doing a third one for you guys, so you'll stop crying. But I apologize. If you want to bring your anger towards me, remember, you can find me at Geek Vibes Nation over on Facebook. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. We had a great show uh, discussing Star Wars. I hope Benny Off and Wise do the, uh, the Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, I don't really care. I'm, I'm honestly not the biggest Star Wars fan. Uh, I love them as cinematic experiences, so I get you guys because I bitch about the DC Universe all the time. So I'm a giant hypocrite. But either way, hope you guys enjoyed our episode. Um, definitely want to thank my two co-hosts and leave you guys with like a little question between would you rather see the new Top Gun coming out with Tom Cruise or the new Bill and Ted and say your goodbyes. First you, Nick. Bill and Ted, because uh, I don't feel like I need another Top Gun and I don't think Val Kilmer is going to be in it. So Bill and Ted. And bye. I'm going to go Top Gun because I want some more music like that, like Highway to the Danger Zone. Kanan, say your goodbye, sir. To the I'm going to say, I'm going to say I want both because I like both, and goodbye. <laughs> All right, guys. 
Thank you for listening to us tonight, and definitely get ready for the next week of great shows that we have for you. Hey, it's Dean Kane. You may know me as uh, a superhero or two or four, uh, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. I didn't know we could pick May the Geek Vibes. What's that? I didn't know we could pick both. Kanan? (laughs) Oh, well, that's Kanan's choices. He likes Star Wars (laughs) films that are so bad. Uh... (laughs) Oh...